So back in November, voters overwhelmingly passed Proposition 2, which would allow, at the forefront, nine days of early voting before each election. It also enshrined in the Michigan Constitution a fundamental right to vote and would prohibit laws, regulations, practices, whatever it is, from interfering with that right to vote. It also called for a state-funded ballot tracking notification system, a drop box to be placed in each and every Michigan municipality, and would allow voters to cast a ballot by either showing an ID or signing an affidavit to verify their identity. It passed 60 to 40%. Now Governor Gretchen Whitmer assigned a package of laws that will enshrine these into the Michigan Constitution and then lay the groundwork for what elections look like going forward here in the state of Michigan. So under the law, as I understand it now, clerks can begin providing early in-person voting within 29 days of an election. They can also work together to provide joint sites where ballots can be filled out and fed into tabulators before Election Day. And every city or township in the state of Michigan must also install a Dropbox. Uh, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson joins us uh, this afternoon to break it all down. Madam Secretary, good to have you with us. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, so l- let's start with with these laws that were that the governor had signed, because some of these go above what Prop 2 was was initially proposing. So what is this uh, a package of bills accomplish aside from essentially fulfilling the requirements of pres- uh, Prop 2? Well, in many ways, the collection of bills, which, again, is the result of a months-long, thoughtful, bipartisan process with clerks and other stakeholders, uh, the outcome of which developed this legislation, at at the heart of which is providing clarity for clerks on how to implement the new constitutional requirements. So, for example, the Constitution says you you have to have at least nine days of early voting and, and doesn't provide any clarity on if there's any, you know, uh, ceiling to that. And so the laws say you have to do it at least nine. You can go up to, you know, 27. And so there's um, so there's that parameter set in place to give clarity for election officials uh, funding as well as uh, clarity on uh, drop boxes, the ballot tracking system, and also uh, provisions for the counting of absentee ballots prior to Election Day in certain circumstances to make it easier to align with the early voting process. All of that is really what the legislation is about. And then uh, it's accompanied with in the new budget funding for uh, hiring people and other types of things, installing drop boxes, uh, implementing the prepaid postage for every resident, all the things that are needed to ensure that the will of the voters that was made clear last November becomes real in time for the 2024 presidential election cycle. So I'm sure you realize there are probably people out there that believe this will make voting less safe. D- does this does this secure voting in Michigan? Does it make it is it just about making it more accessible? Is it is it more timely as a rate as it kind of relates to to tabulating these votes? How, how do you how do you see this in terms of the the safety Mm -hmm. and security of of our elections. Well, I believe in making it easier to vote and harder to cheat. And that means everything you do to make it easier to vote or expand options to the process, as these changes do, you have to couple that with additional security provisions. So, for example, part of the constitutional requirement is now an increased number of drop boxes, ballot receptacles where people can securely return their ballot request forms or the ballots themselves to be counted. Uh, this the, the legislation requires certain monitoring for those ballot drop boxes to ensure Ensure their security, uh, and that helps us provide guidance for clerks that will ensure while this accessibility of a ballot receptacle is in place for every 
15,000 voters in the state. It will also be a secure, monitored uh, receptacle so that we can protect against the potential for fraud. So a lot of what we're trying to do with this legislation is ensure those security provisions in place and, again, ensure they're in place equally throughout the state so that every clerk in our 1,500 communities knows what they need to do to meet the security requirements of these new changes. You mentioned the ballot tracking system. Tell me a little more about that. When, when does it go in online? How exactly does it work? It, it, the, the essence of it is that if you choose to vote from home and uh, mail in your ballot or return it to your clerk or return it through a Dropbox, this ballot tracking system enables you to track when your ballot is received and when it's been counted. And it also includes if you request your ballot to be mailed to you and send in that request. You can also track that request, just like you would a UPS package. Go into the website, enter your information, and it'll tell you if your ballot request form has been received, if your ballot's been sent, or if it's been received upon return, uh, you returning it. So it's all enabled, all, all designed to give voters information and hopefully confidence, as well as clarity, as to whether their ballots, if they do choose to vote from home uh, and mail in their ballot or return it remotely, that their ballot's been received and counted. I got to imagine with your experience, um, you were probably a a pretty important sounding board for this legislation. How closely were you involved? Our team was at the table throughout the discussions, as were Republican and Democratic clerks from across the state at the county and local level, and many other experts like the former chief of elections for the state of Michigan, Chris Thomas, who Mm -hmm. served under three previous maybe four previous secretaries. And and he speaks very effusively of this legislation. He's very much on board. Mm -hmm. It's an expert-driven process, a data-driven process, and a bipartisan process that yielded these these changes. Um, So when does all of this, uh, does this go into effect? Are we going to see these changes implemented uh, by 2024, by the end of 2024? Yes, certainly everything will be in effect by August of next year. And early voting goes into effect early in the presidential primary in February. But by August and certainly November, uh, all of these uh, legislative provisions will be in effect. And so our job between now and then as election administrators and all of us in Michigan is to make sure we're fully aware of the changes, that we're educating voters everywhere about their options to vote and the security of those options so that everyone can go into next year's election fully confident that whoever they vote for, whoever they support, their vote will be counted and their voice will be heard. You know, speaking of elections, uh, uh, Attorney General Dana Nessel has charged 16 GOP Trump electors in Michigan from 2020 um, with eight felony counts. Uh, obviously, you have an extensive uh, law background. Um, you know, Michonne uh, Maddock, a, a former co-chair of the MIGOP, is, is involved in this as well. Um, is is this is is obviously very serious uh, allegations and charges. Were there actual laws uh, broken here as you see it? Yes, uh, we know from public documents that there was an actionable plan to use fake elector votes to physically disrupt the electoral process and subvert the will of the people. And there are laws against that. There are very clear laws and Michigan law is very clear. For example, electoral votes must be cast and counted in the Senate chamber. Uh, these particular documents were signed in the basement of the Republican Party headquarters. Uh, federal law also includes specific provisions for how electors are chosen, and none of the alleged fake electors follow the process laid out in the law, uh, which is informed also by the vote of the people of Michigan, in, in this case, in 2020. So I, you know, I feel confident that um, part of the reason why this investigation took several years was to ensure 
the evidence aligned with with uh, alleged legal violations, and uh, hence the the indictments move forward. And I think also it's important to note that a lot of Michigan Republicans stood up to enormous pressure uh, to uh, follow a, a, a darker path, and instead stood up for democracy. And uh, even if their preferred candidate lost. And so for us, it's important for me, it's important to ensure there are consequences when people do choose to try to intervene with the will of the people and, 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 and commit fraud in elections, which a lot of this is really about. And also the fact that this scheme was ultimately unsuccessful doesn't mean that uh, it, it might not be attempted again in the future, which is another reason why consequences this time around are so important. I got about 30 seconds left here. What, what do you say to the people that, that say that this is this is purely political? You've got a, 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 a Democratic AG charging Republicans with this. What do you, what do you say to those people? I think I, asked, I, I I hear what they're saying, and I understand in this moment the challenges of that. Uh, however, the important thing to note is the, the most political thing the AG could have done in the face of all of the evidence that the law had been broken is to not move forward with charges out of fear of these same accusations. So instead, she did the right thing and following the law, following the evidence, following the facts, and now a court will handle it from here. Uh, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, thank you so much for the time. I always appreciate catching up with you. Thank you. Likewise. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you Have got a good it. afternoon. You do Thanks. the same. Uh, Jocelyn Benson here on JR Afternoon. I'd love to hear from you. 800-859-0957. Got to take a break. More next on WJR.